What's up? It's Delaney, and I'd love to invite you to become an honorary co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Do you want to pick episode topics and guests? Done. Want to surprise your loved ones with shout-outs on the show for a birthday, project launch, a much-needed divorce? Whatever you're up to, would love to be a part of the celebration. Get your favorite and least favorite quotes featured on the podcast, submit questions for our special guests, and find lots more new features and surprises at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. You'll also get added to our patron insider email list to easily redeem rewards via a quick email reply because we know hanging out on Patreon isn't everyone's thing. You can also opt out of emails if you prefer to be a silent supporter of the show. And don't worry, we do not Scrooge McDuck these contributions. 100% of proceeds go directly to operating expenses that make this weekly podcast possible and available to all. Learn more at patreon.com selfhelpless or simply click the link in this episode's description. Thank you for helping me fill the void of being the last standing host of the Self Helpless Podcast. Thank you so much. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey guys, it's Kelsey. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that I will be headlining the Comedy Club of Kansas City this weekend, May 20th through the 22nd. You can go to kelseycook.com and get tickets, or you can follow me on Instagram at kelseycookcomedy, and there's a ticket link in my bio. Hope to see you helpsters there. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Self-Helpless Podcast. I'm Delaney Fisher. And I'm Kelsey Cook. And today, oh my gosh, <laughs> we have one of my favorite people on the planet is our guest today, Rachel Rogers. She is the founder and CEO of Hello7. She's an intellectual property attorney, business coach, author, speaker, overall badass. I just... I love her so much. And you can really tell I'm trying to keep it together in this interview, but I had to tell her that uh, if I was acting strange, it was just because I was such a huge fan. And um, she's been featured in Time and Forbes, Entrepreneur, Fast Company, The Washington Post. She's been all over the place. Her new book, We Should All Be Millionaires, is launching um, tomorrow as we record this. So big launch for that. And we talk about everything when it comes to building wealth as a woman, um, why it's important for us to do so, what holds us back, practical steps for how we can do it, you know, removing guilt from wanting more and wanting more money. And yeah, I'm just like, so happy we got to talk with her. I yes. was a part of her membership community, the club, for several, several months and learned a lot. And it was just a great place to be. So without further ado, Rachel <laughs> Rogers, everybody. Rachel, thank you so much for being here today. Our listeners just heard me gush about you in the intro, but we so appreciate it. <laughs> thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes. Um, so before we dig into everything, do you have a favorite or least favorite quote you'd like to share with us? Yes. So this I, is a quote that actually is at the beginning of the introduction in my book uh, by Madam C.J. Walker, who is America's first female millionaire. Um, so like my personal hero and mentor in my head. Um, and so this is the quote. <laughs> America doesn't respect anything but money. What our people need is a few millionaires. I mean, how on point is that for so like good. everything that I'm about? <laughs> yeah, so good. So, so good. Yes. I actually recently shared on the show um, that I watched Self Made. And the only reason I know who Madam CJ Walker is, is because of Hello7 and your brand and the way that you talk about her. So, um, yes, yeah, I think that's well, an amazing. Quote. When I'm, I'll show you all this. One of my friends had this. This is like a, an artist. She had an artist depict this like image. Oh this is one gosh. of my favorite photos of Madam CJ Walker of her. Like she was ready for Instagram. She was like yeah. stunting in her car with her girls. <laughs> You know, with her fur and her looking hat, good. looking good. And I was like, yo, 
<laughs> now, that. Rachel, can can you give a little background on who Madam C.J. Walker was and how she became a millionaire? Yeah. So she was an entrepreneur and she was born to her parents were enslaved. Um, she had many siblings and she was the youngest in her family. And she was the only one born after the Emancipation Procl- Emancipation Proclamation. So she was the only one born free in her family. Um, and so she was like, come, you know, her childhood was during the Reconstruction era, which is when, you know, basically the entire American economy had to be restructured because it was 100 percent built on slavery. Right. So the whole economy what had to shift. And, you know, what people don't know is actually during this time, what happened was there would be a plantation and there's plantation owners, but then there's all of these people who work on the plantation who were formerly enslaved and now they're sharecroppers and now they're making up the majority of a county. So now they have, you know, the ability to appoint their own politicians and vote their own elected officials in because they are the larger part of the population. Um, And so they did that. And so they were voting in politicians and starting to, you know, imagine a world where they they could build the world that they wanted to build. And of course, this was met with intense violence. This is what caused the KKK to be created. Right. Because they were like, oh, no these slaves, these formerly enslaved people cannot be running things now. You know, they would burn down the schools so that the so that the black population there couldn't educate their kids. I mean, all kinds of stuff. So she's growing up seeing all of this. So like it's like the, you know, what they've always dreamed of, which is that slavery would end happens. And then, of course, so many additional atrocities happen after that. Um, and life was really difficult for them. So there was like all of this possibility. And then, of course, all of these challenges as well. And she's growing up during this time and then goes from from that. I mean, she got married very young. She had a child at like, I want to say 17, 18. Mm-hmm. And so she's on her own and she's moving around and has these different jobs as a washerwoman at one point. And she's just trying to make her way, right? As we all do as women, we can relate to that, like trying to build a career, trying to make more and more money to take care of yourself and your your children. And then she um, gets an opportunity from another woman, right? So this goes to my point of the book, which is that when we as women are building wealth, we can create opportunity and we're naturally going to create opportunity for other women. And so there was another woman that gave her an opportunity and that's how she got into hair. And she started taking care of hair, making her own hair care preparations, and then went all in on building a business based on hair products that she was making literally in her kitchen at one point. And then she just went all over the country selling them, recruiting other Black women to be salespeople for her. She had a sales force of thousands of Black women. So she was building wealth for herself and them at the same time. Um, And so, and you know, she became a millionaire, like at a time when she was the most unlikely candidate to be a millionaire. Um, And so, and she didn't have the internet, right? Like she didn't have virtual assistants that she could hire, right? (laughs) Like we have so many tools available to us and we think, oh, I can't do this or this is not available to me. If it was available to her, then it's available to us. So I think she's just such an inspiration and I think we should all know her story and be inspired by it and be like, okay, well, let me get off my ass and get to work because, you know- If Madam Walker could do it, so can I. Yes. Hearing that has definitely taken all of my excuses away. Thank you for sharing all that. Can you share a bit about your own background and what led you to where you are now? Yeah. Well, it's a long, windy road. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, it starts with me. Like I I grew up in a, in a, you know, we were sort of like a middle-class family at one point. And then, you know, we became very low income because both of my parents lost their jobs. Um, There was all kinds of struggle in my household with addiction and other things and a lot of financial distress. So that's what I grew up around. And um, I was always very focused on, you know, as I became a teenager, I wanted to make money. I wanted to know how do people make money? What profession do I need to go into to make money? Um, Because I wanted to create financial well-being for my household, you know? Um, And so... You know, that's I decided I wanted to go to law school. I wanted to become a lawyer. That was something I decided when I was like eight, you know, (laughs) and I went through (laughs) that, became a lawyer, uh, started my own 
practice. And uh, eventually that practice became Hello7 because so many of the entrepreneurial clients that were that were my clients in my law practice were like, how is your business making so much money? My business isn't making as much as yours. Like, tell me, mm. how are you doing this? I didn't even know I was yeah. good at business, right? Like I was just practicing wow. law and doing the things and generating sales and was like, wow, this is really working. Um, and all of these people around me kept being like, uh, this is not typical, like <laughs> not typical results. Can you tell us more? Um, and so then I just started doing coaching on the side and then it became the full-time thing. And I eventually dropped, uh, practicing law. So that's kind of like the quick and dirty version. <laughs> yes. <laughs> love that. I love it. Um, can you, can you explain why it's so important for women to build wealth in the first place? And I'm including people from marginalized groups in that category, if we're going to talk about women and, and men, but can you share yes. about this mission that you have? Yeah. I mean, well, I've just, when I was practicing law, I saw stats around women business owners that said that only 2% ever hit seven figures. And so of course I'm like, well, I want to hit that then like mm. challenge accepted, you know? <laughs> um, but that really bothered me. And then, you know, there were other stats that, which I know now, I don't think they were as specific then, but, um, I've actually done my own research and found that 78% of women entrepreneurs never make more than $50,000 in annual revenue. Um, and that's total revenue. And then there's other stats that are go beyond um, entrepreneurship. Um, I want to say it's something like 70% of women retire in poverty or will be impoverished, impoverished um, wow. during retirement, especially single women. Um, there are, don't quote me on that because I can't remember the number exactly, but it is an enormous percentage. Yeah. Um, you know, women are way less likely to ever make $100,000 in salary. Uh, compared to men. Right. So you just see all of these stats. And then, of course, when you start talking about black women, women of color, uh, queer women, fat women, I mean, there's so many different marginalized disabled women. Right. It just becomes more and more challenging to have economic well-being. And I think that that needs to be a priority. And it's not something that's talked about enough. Um, and so that is my mission is to fill that gap, because when I was looking for education on like, well, how do I build a seven figure business? Right. I've gotten to six figures. That's great. I can see now that, that it's not enough to pay myself, pay a team, pay all of my business expenses, pay taxes, right? Like it wasn't enough. I needed to make more. And so I want to hit seven figures. How do I do it? Who's teaching about that? Nobody, right? Like mm -hmm. nobody was teaching you. Now there's more people doing it. And it's usually behind a hundred thousand dollar mastermind paywall, right? Where all these secrets are shared. And it's usually for white men. So straight mm -hmm. white men. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to find out this information, like how do we get to seven figures? And once I found it out for myself, I wanted to share it and help other people do it. So, so that is our mission because I really do. I think businesses are a vehicle for economic well-being for marginalized communities. Cause so much of our financial advice, the personal finance gurus, they're all older men older white men telling us what to do. And it's like, th there's an assumption there that you have a certain amount of resources already to capitalize right. on. And it's right. like, well, what if you're starting from zero or in my case, negative, because I had law school loans in the hundreds of thousands, right? So I was yeah, like, my right. net worth was negative six figures, right. <laughs> oh, you know, when I right. started my practice 10 years ago. So like, what is the realistic path to change our financial situation? And I figured it out for myself. And so I think it's really important to share that and help others do it as well. Mm. Yeah. So one of the questions I was super interested in is, can you share the difference between what you call a million dollar decision versus a broadcast decision and give an example for each? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, what is this? I want to know what this is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, I think this is the chapter that is like probably the most essential, you know, the most key chapter in the book. Um, and, you know, a million dollar decision is about moving towards abundance. It's about how can you move towards more in your life? Um, so expanding and getting more of what you want versus contracting and getting smaller. I think that's our you know, natural inclination. It's also what everybody teaches around financial decisions, right? It's like shrink everything, you know, spend less, stop buying lattes, stop being a shopaholic. Yeah. You don't need those shoes, right? Like, you know, and isn't it interesting too, as women, we're told like, 
stop spending all this money on beauty, except also make sure you're beautiful because right, otherwise right. Then we're going to mock you. We're not, we're, there's stats showing that like they, you're less likely to get a job if you don't have, if you're not like appearing attractive, whatever the fuck that means. Right. So wow. it's just, it's yeah. maddening. <laughs> right. um, and it's such a like zero sum game, right? Like where you do this and you can't win, you do that, you can't win. So m- million dollar decisions are really what get you to making a million dollars. You have to start making those decisions. You have to start investing in yourself. You have to start expanding. You have to start owning your own genius and creativity, right? Like you have to be doing this, going out, right? Instead of always contracting in and getting smaller and hiding and all those things, those are broke-ass decisions. And that does not lead to more money. It leads to, as you can imagine, a broke-ass bank account, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, So there is a life-changing course called Worthy inside of your membership community, the club. And I remember you sharing so much of this information that I couldn't believe I just didn't already know as a woman of just some of the, you know, the history behind why we might be feeling this way and the systems that are kind of set up. Um, Everything, I think you mentioned that it wasn't even that long ago that we could open our own checking accounts and stuff. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about about why it's so deeply ingrained in us that we kind of don't trust ourselves with money or we don't even go after more of it. Right. Right. Well, I mean, because that's what society teaches us, right? Like women couldn't own property for a long period of time. Um, Women couldn't own bank accounts on their own without a cosigner or have their own credit cards. They couldn't get loans without a male cosigner up until the seventies. That's like my mother and your mother and our Mm -hmm. grandmothers. Right. Um, so that's not that far removed. So of course, right. Like if society was constantly telling women how frivolous they are, how, you know, they are not good with money. They're not expected to be good with money. It's always do more with less. Like women were, you know, expected to run households with very, very tiny budgets, make more, make something out of nothing is the message to women, right? Always. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas men get messages of expand, you know, invest in yourself, get right. more power, right? Like that's always the message to men. Buy the watch, buy the suit, show up to the meeting, be a badass, yes. right? Like that's the yes. message in movies, on Instagram, in the ads we see, right? Everywhere. Uh, But for women, it's like, you know, even think about sex in the city, right? Like Carrie couldn't buy her apartment, right? Like, and it was Uh, like, oh, she she had all these shoes, but she couldn't afford to buy her own (laughs) real estate. You know what I mean? Thank God for big. Yeah, coming in. Somebody somebody come save the day. Exactly. Right, right. So I think we get these messages all the time. And there's history there. And then let's let's also talk about voting because voting is directly connected to our economic well-being. If we can't vote for our own interests, right, then our own interests are not going to be represented in the laws that are being created and how our society is being created and existing and being built, right, and being expanded. And so, you know, you know, obviously women couldn't vote until uh, what was it, 1920. And then even after that, right, black women, um, Native American women, Um, Asian women, there were all of these things in place to prevent and actual laws on the books that prevented um, people of color from voting. And, And, you know, and obviously we still have it. It's still an issue today. We are still talking about this every day. Um, It is relevant right now how, you know, how basically certain parties or certain, you know, uh, congressmen and women try to take away our ability to vote because they know if we can vote, then we can create the laws that we want to see, right? Like that represent our interests. Um, And so all of these things are very important to our economic well-being. And that's why we need to build wealth because like that quote said from Madam C.J. Walker, right? Like um, what America understands is money, right? And so how can we play that game to gain our own power so that we have voting capability so that we can appoint the politicians that we, we want to see voted in. We can back their campaigns, right? When we can write a check to solve problems, like that is a really powerful position to be in. And more of us need to be in that position. And I think the only difference is we're not turning towards our earning potential. We don't realize how much more we could be making. And part of the reason is, right, like what we just talked about, the laws in place, the media messages, all of those things. And so this book is meant to counteract all of that and to, you know, invite women in to recognize the their ability to build wealth. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, what have you had to let go of in order to become this version of yourself? Like, were you making broke ass decisions previously that then you switched your mindset? What in particular do you feel like changed for you? Yeah. 
Well, <clears throat> I certainly have made many, many broke ass decisions. That's why I know what it is, right? <laughs> so I think it's a name it. Yeah. Um, always because I used to like my solution. If I felt like I didn't have enough money or there was a new expense coming up that I had to deal with, you know, my answer to that was always to cut expenses. How, what can I cut? You know, where, what can I sacrifice? How can I, um, do more with less, right. Or like live without right. Conveniences or even just like, for example, when I started my business, I, you know, rented out my house to other people and lived in a tiny basement apartment, uh, got rid of my car lease and like got an old car and just really made my expenses as small as possible so that I could get my business started. And I don't know if that in and of itself was a broke ass decision, but I think continuing in that same vein of like cut, 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 be as cheap as possible long term. Like there was a certain point at which I could totally begin to expand and, and get more comfortable in my life, but I didn't trust myself to do that. And I just kept things small. Right. And I would be scared to invest in, you know, going to a conference, spending the money to travel there, a night or two of hotel, you know, the ticket to the event, it all added up. And could I have learned things that would help me grow my business? Could I meet people, network? Is there so much opportunity for expansion there? Yes. But I would make the broke ass decision not to do that because I was too afraid, right? I was, I was scared right. to spend money. And then, you know, the first coaching program that I invested in, it was $2,500. I had 500 bucks. I did not have the other $2,000, but it was like, a, I got a payment plan and I was like, I'll figure it out. Like I'll get the 500, but the next $500 payment before it comes up. Right. Yeah. I think it's important to say that. Cause I think sometimes people think, Oh no, we just have bank accounts full of cash. And that's the only time we ever invest in ourselves. No, sometimes right. we're literally like, you know, selling our, you know, furniture to like be able to yeah. show up to things and make yeah. these investments in ourselves. Right. Um, so, you know, that was that was a million dollar decision investing in that coaching program when I really couldn't um, I couldn't see how I would pay for the whole thing. But I knew I could make the first payment and that expanded my life, you know, exponentially. And I'm like I tell the story in the book, but that investment that I made led to millions of dollars over the next decade. Right. Wow. And so we just we need to start thinking about that and start making those those expansive decisions and not contracting all the time. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I think also being seen, you know, is a thing for, for us as women, like feeling like everything has to be perfect. We have to look perfect. We have to show up perfect. We have to have the perfect things to say before we can be seen by the world. Um, and all of that hiding is a broke ass decision because it prevents us from making money. We got to be willing to put ourselves out there. Mm -hmm. Yes. And what kind of boundaries have you had to set it just in general to become the person that you are today, whether it's with time, energy, people, all of that? All of them. <laughs> well, first of all, one, I had to learn how to stand up for myself, right? And just to say when I was unhappy with something, I was good at doing it at work because I was an attorney. So I would like stand up for my clients. I had no problem with that, but I'd have had a hard time standing up for myself and my own needs. So I had to learn how to advocate for myself and tell people, no, I don't like that you did that. And this is how it made me feel. And this is what I'm going to do if that happens again, right? Um, not trying to control other people, but making sure that I'm controlling myself, right? And and how I'm going to respond to certain things that happen. So that's one thing, both professionally and in my personal life, learning how to stand up for myself and advocate for my own needs and feeling that it is worthwhile um, was super important. Um, creating boundaries with my even my own children, right? Where like sometimes we send these messages to mothers that like our children deserve 100% of our energy and time always. And I'm like, no, actually I'm allowed to have a career and be a mom at the same time. Doesn't make me a bad person, right? It's called balance, right? And learning how to do, to balance those two things. And also teaching my children that, listen, mommy has a nice, a good job. And that means that there's lots of opportunity for you. You get to, 
you know, live in a nice place. You get to go to a great school. You get to do these extracurricular activities that you love. And your contribution is let me work while I'm working. Right. So that's you're a part of that. So I think boundaries with our children, boundaries with our partners, not doing all the domestic labor, because stats show that women are still doing the vast majority of the domestic labor in our households, which is a full time job. Like it is another 40 hour a week job on top of the jobs we already have. Well, meanwhile, you know, those of us that are in heterosexual relationships, our male counterparts are not doing anywhere near that amount of hours. They might do more than they used to do, but it's nowhere near what we're doing. And so that needs to change and having boundaries in our own households. I think it starts with that. And then it starts to expand outside of that. Yes. Um, I've noticed that, you know, I've now, I now outsource everything in my life and my business. I just want my time back. And I've noticed that I definitely get some pushback for that. And I'm so mm-hmm. curious to know how do you respond when people try to make you feel guilty about spending money the way that you want to spend your money? Well, first of all, it's your money, right? Yeah. <laughs> do what you want to do. And there are stats that I, I researched in the book, these studies that show that, and these are worldwide, so not even just specific to the US, but, but some of these studies, uh, there were a couple that the results showed that, you know, if you want to be happier, spend your money on buying your time back. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that is the one way that you can increase your own happiness with money. Right. By creating more freedom in your life and creating a job for someone else where they can earn money. Right. So to me, it's a give. I think sometimes the conversation winds up being, well, you're exploiting other people. And I'm like, well, make sure you're not doing that. I don't exploit other people. I pay them really well. Uh, They have benefits. They have paid time off. I meet with them and communicate regularly. I find out what are your hopes and dreams and how can I support you making that happen, right? Like we don't have to do things the way that Jeff Bezos is doing it, right? Like we don't have to exploit anyone. Um, So I think that it's important to just think about your own values and how you're going about doing it is key, right? Um, And and if you're doing that, then it's not a bad thing. And honestly, you're always going to get pushed back. I actually wear this necklace that says rich bitch. (laughs) Yes. I wear it every day. Oh my I God, wear it. Amazing. I wear it to the bank, you know, meeting with like my like <laughs> my like older white guy banker. And I'm like, hello. Um, I'm here. Hello. <laughs> and I, I bought this necklace because of exactly that, right? Like as a reminder to myself, because people have called me a rich bitch, like as an insult. And I'm like, I'm going to take that insult and turn it into a label that I will proudly wear every day as a reminder to myself that it's important to be an example of what's possible for other women, especially other black women for sure. And, you know, I'm owning it. I'm not going to be ashamed, right? We, we, we're told to be ashamed if we don't have enough money. And then we're ashamed if we have too much. Right. And to me, I'm like, I can never have too much because the money that I have, I'm using yes, to have a good life for myself and my children, to leave a legacy for my children and to benefit my community. You know, I know I can trust myself to do good things in the world with the excess that I have. And, you know, and that is what studies show as well. When women earn more, they give back. It's just a natural thing that we are going to do. We give back even when we don't have a lot. At every economic level, women give more to charity than men. Um, And Black people and women of color give more than white people do, right? So it's like we can trust ourselves to build wealth because we know that we're going to do good things in the world with it. And I do truly believe that the end version of that is the world being a better place. So if somebody calls me a rich bitch or I have, if I have to stand up to people being mad about it, then then that's okay. Be mad. But let me be an example to you about why you need to rethink this. Let's have a conversation about it. Let's not just assume that, you know, it's a bad thing for a woman to have wealth and that she's being mean, right? Because that's what we have examples of when women have wealth. It's the devil wears Prada, right? Is the example that we have. And so like, let's create a different example and let's show people a different way of doing things. Totally. So fired up right now, Rachel. <laughs> yes, yes, get fired up. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is you're making Delaney's year right now. This oh, yeah. is yeah. so awesome. <laughs> um, so, what is the most important thing for an entrepreneur or business owner to do today to start building wealth? Like, what's the first step that somebody can take if they are also feeling fired up by this episode? Yeah. Um, well, they're not going to like my answer. 
Oh, okay. Even better. Uh, my answer is to double your prices, increase your prices, especially if you're a woman or if you're a member of a marginalized community, you are probably undercharging. It is just the natural response to some of the messages that we get, like our work is undervalued all the time, right? We get messages all the time. Like, who do you think you are? Even our own friends and family will ask us, who do we think we are, right? To be doing the work that we're doing, to be putting out what we put out into the world um, and to be charging what we charge. And so my challenge to you is to charge more, claim that value, right? And deliver on it, right? Like don't charge a whole bunch of money and then give a a crappy product. Um, but for most of us, I think we're doing exceptional work and we're not getting paid well for it because we're our own bosses and we don't pay ourselves well, right? Like we're choosing to undervalue our work by not paying ourselves well. So that is my challenge to business owners as a first step, raise your prices, right? Yes. Create more room. And I do really believe that everybody wins when you raise your prices, because what's going to happen is you have more spaciousness, right? Like where you can serve your clients at a higher level because you don't have to serve as many of them, right? You're not, you know, selling to clients and then hustling for the next sale. You can actually take your time and not be stressed, right? And like, mm. let's be realistic about we got to pay taxes and we have to pay mm -hmm. a team and we also need to pay ourselves. And, you know, inflation is a real thing. So we need to acknowledge that and charge accordingly and have, you know, realistic, sustainable pricing so that we can actually run like a sustainable business based on the pricing that we have. Yes. yes. And I think there's something to be said too for the client feeling more excited about this product that feels maybe more high quality to them. I think we often shy away from like, oh, but people aren't going to want to buy it if it's this much. But even as consumers ourselves, I think we feel good when we buy something and feel like, okay, this is this is a high value product and I'm treating myself. And Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm going to get better customer service. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you as the business owner don't believe in your product enough, right? Like if you don't believe in it, who else is going to believe in it? Right. Sales is right. transferring enthusiasm. So how can you transfer that enthusiasm if you don't really have it? So you got to believe in your own stuff. Right. Um, and then sh share that with other people. And I agree, like we like making investments in ourselves. Uh, and I also think too, for certain things, like I remember when I was a lawyer and undercharging, you know, people would be nervous about working with me because they're like, well, if your prices are that low, you must not be that good, you know? Because mm, yeah. your pricing is communicating things to your people, right? So think about what is it communicating and make sure that that's what you want to be communicating. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that will stay with me forever. What you just said <laughs> yes. about it potentially making people nervous. Right. If you price yourself too low. Like it's, it's bad for everybody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not doing <sighs> anybody any favors. Um, <laughs> I, wish I, had to, I wish I had talked to you sooner. <laughs> business yeah, things in my ago. life right now. And I'm like, um, Delaney, well, Delaney's been pushing me to raise prices. I do a, a virtual makeup course and uh, she's been encouraging me to price myself higher. And for this whole time I've been like, no, like nobody's going to want to do that. And I, okay. I hear everybody <laughs> loud and clear now. Let's do this. The expert. Um, <laughs> so Rachel, for anybody listening who isn't an entrepreneur or business owner who feels like they've chosen maybe a more conventional path, maybe they like their nine to five, but they feel yes. like their income is capped. How can they also control and like build wealth for themselves? Yes. Um, so here's the thing. Your income is not capped, period, ever. Reject the idea that your income is capped. If your income is capped, then make just make different million dollar decisions and your income will cease to be capped. Um, and so I give an example in the book of how to negotiate for higher pay. You can double your rates even as an employee. And I give an, an example of a real life example that truly happened where an employee was able to double their salary by negotiating for higher pay and how to how to go about doing that. So that is one way, right, is to ask for more money. And of course, you need to make that conversation focused on, you know, the your company's wins, right? Like what do they care about and how do they win and what are their end results and their, you know, key performance indicators that they are really tracking and how can you tie your work to making them more money or your work to giving them more time or your work to whatever is the end result that they want, right? We have to become salespeople, period, right? We have to be willing to sell ourselves. We should be experts on our own expertise and our own genius and how we show up. 
And then we need to sell it to others, right? First of all, sell ourselves. We got to believe it and then sell others on it. So raising your, your, your salary is one way to do it. Um, the other way is to have a side hustle and generate some additional income, which a lot of my clients and friends and family do, you know, whether it's doing, you know, real estate sales on the side, having a, a side food business, right? Um, creating an online course. There are so many different things like tutoring. You know, we can just think about like, what are things that I'm really good at? What are my natural skills? What's something that I don't mind showing up to do? Don't try to make money doing something you absolutely hate because you're not going to do it for long. You're going to quit. It's hard to sustain doing work that you hate, right? But if you can match, you know, the way that you make money to something that you naturally have talent for, that you really enjoy doing, um, that you don't mind showing up for day after day, that is where you're going to win. You're going to be more likely to be consistent and make more money that way. So those are just two small examples. And there is a challenge in the book. I call it the 10K in 10 days challenge. Um, I've challenged a lot of people to, and it really works. So that it is does. another way for whether you're an entrepreneur or you have a nine to five, you can do the 10K in 10 days challenge and challenge yourself to make $10,000 in 10 days. And we give you the exact formula, exactly how to do it in the book. Yes, it works. Trust me. <laughs> Listen, my community yes. made millions of dollars. Literally, I want to say it was like 2.3 million. 300 women made 2.3 million dollars in 10 days last July. It was insane. Uh, oh and I wanted God. to do a chapter in the book about it. So I was like, I'm going to test it on my community and see like how it goes. And I was floored. Like, I, it was beyond my wildest dreams of like what women were able to accomplish. And on average, that was like a little over $6,000 per person. Some people obviously made a lot more. Some people made less, but it really, um, it helped people to see. And the whole point of that is really to recognize that you have the ability to make more money whenever you want to. We think we can't. We think making money is hard. We have this story in our head that it's not possible, that somebody else is in control of our money. Wrong. If you need money to raise money for anything, you want to get a nicer apartment, your car broke down, you have repairs, whatever it is, it could be something you want or need. You have the ability to generate that cash in a short period of time. Um, yeah. Most people do. So really challenging them and giving them a formula for how to do it. And the real win is like not the cash. It's not the 10K. The real win is recognizing, oh, the next time I need money, I have the ability to make it happen. And that is so empowering. That's true job security, right? Beyond what any company can promise us. Absolutely. Yes. Um, what are some of the different revenue streams that you've had in the past or present um, to kind of give people examples of how they can, they can diversify their income? Um, and did you diversify your income? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do think diversifying is important, but I think sometimes people try to do it too early. So they like try to have 17 different streams of income. And I'm like, that's nice, but that's also very distracting. Right. Um, and usually what I find is that if you will focus on one, maybe two, you can take that one way of making money to a million a lot faster if you don't, if you aren't distracted with so many offers. Right. But of course I had to learn this the hard way. So I was, was very distracted with lots of offers at one point in my life. Um, even, I mean, literally what I, my first business idea was a t-shirt company, right? Uh, I was going to make t-shirts that say like, can you talk more slowly in different foreign languages for study abroad students? <laughs> <laughs> Terrible idea, probably. Um, but so I had a, funny. I had a whole lifestyle brand planned with like this, the logo looked like a pass. I had a logo made. I had the first like um, set of products designed, and then I was like, "Oh, I have to like be able to print however many T-shirts first, and yeah. then sell them." Like, oh, like with a product-based business, you need outlay, like you need cash. And I was like, "Oh, I don't have any of that." <laughs> <laughs> I had a little bit of cash. I used like 99 designs, I think, to get the logo made or whatever. I'm going to dig that out of my email one day because the world yeah. needs to see that logo. Um, it's so great. What I called that company, but it was like dead before it even arrived. Right. Because I realized, oh, I needed to buy product and I didn't have money to do that. I had no, I had no cash and no way of getting the cash. Um, and I had just, I was finishing up law school and was completely traumatized by the whole law school experience and was like, I don't even know if I want to practice law. Um, so I was looking
looking for other things to do, looking for other businesses to get into. And that's where I came up with the terrible t-shirt idea. <laughs> but then I was like, you know what? I have a law, I have a law degree. I'm, you know, licensed to practice law. I'm just gonna sell legal services. Let me let me try that. So then I went all in on figuring out how to start my own solo practice. So I clerked for a judge for a year after law school and then started my own law practice. And that was my first hustle, if you will, right? Like that was my first way. And honestly, it wasn't my first hustle because I was I was telling this story the other day about how when I was in high school, I used to, I had a job as a cashier at the supermarket. And then the other way that I would make money is other people would pay me to write their essays. So it was kind of a shady wow. business, but yeah. <laughs> I made some good money writing essays for other people because I was really good at it and it was relatively easy for me and they were all getting terrible grades. So I was like, <laughs> like people would pull me aside in the hallway. So like, I've heard that I could pay you a hundred dollars and you'll write my whatever essay. I'm like, yep, sure can. Got a hundred dollars for me. I should have been charged. I should have doubled my rates. Okay. I could have definitely made more money in high school. Yeah. I mean, writing essays are time consuming. Listen, exactly. Uh, But I had to do the same. I was in their class, so I had to do the same assignment. So I would just create a different version. And it was, I mean, we never got caught shockingly. Damn. Yeah, that's impressive. I mean, that so then, uh, you know, as I was running my law practice, I eventually had a lot of people coming to me um, wanting to hire me to handle their legal work. These were all business owners because I focused on business law and they couldn't afford me. And so I was like, well, what if I were to package up my, my contract templates and some of the other aspects of how I do legal services and and show other people how to do it? So I came up with a class. I taught it live one time. I got like 10 people in it. I was bored out of my mind, um, but it made money. And then I did it again. But I was like, this time we're going to do it fun and make it funny. And I just wrote a like 250 page guide to all of the legal things you need to do in the first couple of years of being a business owner um, and gave them contract templates and all these things. And that was called Small Business Bodyguard. And that product made me over a million dollars over the course of a couple of years. Um, so that was another way that I took my like legal expertise. I was still running my law practice, but I had this other way of like, if people couldn't afford my services, I'd be like, well, buy this product and you can do it yourself. And that was a great solution. So just really recognizing something that is a need in the marketplace and finding a way to meet it, you know? Um, and then, you know, I was, I've done coaching of in every format, retreats, VIP days, one-on-one coaching, group coaching, I mean, in every format and exhausted myself and finally was like, I need to focus. (laughs) And I did that. um, And things were a lot more effective once I did that. So, but those are some examples of how I've made money over the years. Awesome. What are some tips you can give somebody who might be struggling with a lot of different things and not knowing, you know, which direction to go? Yeah. Well, I start with data, right? Like that's what I figured out in my law practice. One year I looked at what's everything we sold this year. I like took the time with the help of, you know, uh, my operations assistant at the time, you know, let's look at every single thing that we've sold this year, every single service and how much of it have we sold and what's, what's the percentage of total revenue that it represents for our total revenue for the year. Right. And when I broke it down that way, I was selling like at least 18 things like contracts, trademarks, you know, copyright, whatever, negotiating deals. I had one litigation case because most of my work was transactional, small business bodyguard, one-on-one consults, right? You name it. Everything went on the list. And when I looked at it, the, I mean, 80% or more of our revenue was coming from two things, trademark services and small business bodyguard. So I cut everything else. And the funny thing is, is that those were the two most streamlined things that we could offer, right? Where we really had a better system around it. We were like, we had a step-by-step process for doing it. And it just made more sense. All of these other things took so much time, did not make a lot of money. There was one service that I used to offer that literally I lost money every time I sold it because it took us so much time and we couldn't charge, like we couldn't get people to pay more for it. Or maybe we weren't valuing it enough and charging enough. Um, and so I cut that. So I just literally cut down everything and said, I do trademarks and you could do small business bodyguard and that's all you can buy from me. And once we did that, I mean, our revenue went to like 700,000. So we, we increased it by probably $250,000, um, in a relatively short period of time. Um, so I think, uh, so that's a cautionary tale that like, first of all, look at the data and actually find out how much is each thing making. Cause I think when we look at the numbers, we're like, 
oh, I spent X amount of time on that this year and it made me like two bucks. It's a waste yeah. of my time, right? <laughs> you know, it could be like, it could be something you love, but if it's not something that your customers are excited about, it's not selling, then cut it, right? Kill your darlings is something I like to say, which is a, um, what's his name? Stephen King quote. Mm-hmm. But you got to be willing to kill your darlings. These things that like are your little babies, but they're not really producing results for people or people aren't buying it. Um, let it go and focus on those things that can generate a lot. So you want to sort of match what actually sells with what do you want to do and what are you excited about? And sometimes those are two separate things and that's okay. Like go with what is the priority for you. If you want to really be enjoying your work, go with that. I usually steer people towards that because I do think that you're more likely to show up if you're just doing what you love and you enjoy, you know? Um, And so focus, do it as an experiment. That's how I talk myself into doing things that are scary. I'm like, I'm going to try this. I'm I'm just going to try for 30 days and see what happens. I don't have to commit. I can always change my mind later but let me just try it. This is how I talk. This is the like internal dialogue where I talk myself into doing scary stuff. I'm going to do it this one time. I'm going to just do it this week, right? Like there's a, there's a shelf life on this. I don't have to commit long-term. Let me just try it and see what happens. Um, And then usually you gain so much more information from that and then can, can start making decisions. So I say, try it as an experiment, focusing on one thing to sell and see what happens. You've been amazing. I mean, Del, do you have any last yes, questions? Yes, I do. I would, first of all, congratulations on your new book. I know we're recording this on May 3rd and it, it releases tomorrow, right? May 4th yes. is the big day. So I yes. would love to just Yay. hear, you know, what's included in your book. Um, we Should All Be Millionaires, A Woman's Guide to Earning More, Building Wealth and Gaining Economic Power. Can you share a little bit about what we can expect when we read it? Yes. Well, I hope my jokes land and it makes you laugh. (laughs) Top priority here. Um, But it really is a guide. You know what I used to hate? I used to like, you know, again, I was always trying to learn how do I run a seven figure business? How do I build that? And I would see like super successful entrepreneurs and business owners write books. And then you're like, yes. And you go read the book and it's all these amazing stories and it's motivating and it's inspiring, but it really doesn't break down. How did you do that? What was your process? What is the step-by-step to make this happen, right? For the ambitious mofo in the back of the room, that's me, right? Like, tell me how to do this. Um, And I would be disappointed, right? When I would read their book and it's not telling me how to do it. And so that's what this book is. It is telling you how to do it. It's telling you how I did it. What were some of the decisions I had to make? What, how did I need to change? You know, how did I need to change my habits, my mindset, what action steps specifically I took? So there's a lot of mindset um, and there is a lot of strategic business, you know, and and wealth building advice as well. Um, So it really is the handbook that I wish I had when I was starting on this journey. And um, yeah, I hope it makes you laugh and I hope it makes you cry and I hope it makes you take action and and go make a lot more money. Oh, yeah. Amazing. And is there any, yeah, is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners, Rachel, before we, you plug where people can find you and all that good stuff? Yeah. Well, if there's one thing I would leave you with, it is this making money is easy. I want us to all truly believe that, uh, internalize it and recognize that we can do it whenever we need to, you know, where it doesn't become this really big deal, this really huge source of stress, something that takes up too much time in our lives, right? Because there's making money and then there's like, enjoying life and we need to do both and we can do both. Like we don't have to, you know, there's this message in society that if you're successful, you know, like we see successful women who are mothers and we're like, oh, she must pay no attention to her children. You know, like we talk about them, right? Or we're like, oh, she must work every night and weekend. I'll tell you right now, I pay a lot of attention to my children and I do not work nights or weekends and I make (laughs) millions and you can too, right? Making money is easy. So that's what I hope folks will start to believe, start to noodle on that thought. Mm, Delicious, delicious noodle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So Rachel, where can people find you, join the club, order your book, all that good stuff? Yes. So I'm at hello7.co. Uh, The book is everywhere. Target, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, uh, indie bookstores. Definitely hit them up. Um, And if you want to check out our like, you know, different incentives, the virtual book tour, all of that, go to hello7.co slash book. You can find me on Instagram at RachRogersESQ. That's where I hang out and, you know, talk shit and I'm very obnoxious. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> and listen to our podcast. We have a podcast called uh, the Hello Seven Podcast, where I interview um, seven figure earners and also show up and be obnoxious and give strategies. So. <laughs> Awesome. Cool. Fun to too. <laughs> awesome. You've been an amazing guest. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for carving out the time to be here. It was like such an honor talking to you. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yay. Yeah. All right. Well, All right. Thanks, Rachel. Yay. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you. <laughs> Have a good rest of the day. <laughs> you too. Y'all are amazing. Oh boy, Del. Uh, you see how much you see why I love her so much? Yes. I, I fully, fully get the hype. Like oh, gosh. <laughs> it's just, I love when we have a guest on that one of us is just like totally holding back tears because they're just oh, so yeah. excited. Yeah. Oh my god, Kelsey, I cried when when Humaira, our producer, <laughs> when Humaira said that she said yes. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Are you fucking serious? And Aww. then I just started crying. And I told Cam, because Cam knows that I just love her. Yeah. Her messaging really spoke to me. I felt like, yeah, oh, I, you know, this person gets me. I love that. That's that. She was amazing. Yeah. Um, we have an iTunes review of the episode. Uh, this is from uh, their account name is just a bunch of letters together. It's not a name. So I'm not even going to try to. Yeah. It's like a, your cat walked across your keyboard. It's not. I can't even pronounce it. Uh, so it says, um, helpless, less I am going through a difficult breakup. I sought out a podcast to help me get out some of some cyclical thinking and obsessing. The women are super relatable. It helped me get through the workday. It made me laugh. Between helpful tips, laughing at themselves, and similar experiences, I'm feeling better already. Thank you. Oh, Thank you well, so much. I'm so glad to hear that you're feeling better, and I'm, yeah. I'm glad that we could help in any way. So thank you very yeah. much for taking the time to leave an iTunes review. If you haven't yet, please just open. If you got your phone in front of you, click that fifth star on iTunes for us and uh, leave a little review, and you get a chance to be read on the show. And just helps everybody. Helps yes, us all. thank you. Thank and you. thank you, Vegan Fever. We must appreciate Fever it. Fever. Yes. <laughs> um, I've got more stand updates. If you go to kelseycook.com, uh, there's a bunch of tour dates on there. Would love to see Helpsters. Um, just check it out, see if I'm coming to a city near you. Yes. Um, and I just say, go buy Rachel's book. By the time this airs, it is out. So go get We Should All Be Millionaires. Go follow her. And her content is incredible. So yeah, just, just do yourself a favor and go get in her space. Yes. Go make money today, go baby. Go make money. Take control. Take Ladies especially, take control of your shit. It's time. Let's Making money is easy. Apparently, <laughs> that was a good takeaway. That's a good takeaway. Holy I shit. need to tell myself that. Whew. Yeah. All right, guys. All right. Uh, we love you. We hope you have a great week. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Self Helpless Podcast. You can find our Patreon community, merch, and our individual work at selfhelplesspodcast.com. We'd be thrilled if you shared this episode with a friend or feel free to post it on Instagram and tag at selfhelplesspodcast so we can repost you and say thank you. Yeah.